Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. Today's recording comes from Doug Duncan and Catherine Poissarat's Facebook livestream series, Enlighten Up. In this talk, Doug and Catherine look at the pitfalls of our society's tendency to value information over lived experience. They discuss ways to integrate knowledge and wisdom so we can live connected lives. To stay up to date on these teachings, like and subscribe to notifications on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash planetdharma. We also upload edited versions of the Enlightened Up episodes to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash planetdharma. And now here's today's recording. Today's Enlightened Up uh Live stream. Live stream is uh, on the differences and similarities between knowledge and experience. And their different functions. And their different functions. And uh, I'm going to kind of start off with a bit of a critique a little bit. And then Catherine is going to come in with some positives. And then I'll go to some positives. And hopefully by the end of this live stream, we've kind of elaborated the subject somewhat. So I think the first thing we need to know is, uh, or examine, is that our educational system and our training is mostly about knowledge. We learn to read and write, information-based. So as soon as we get into the school system, knowledge becomes generally way more important than experience. And kids learn very early, before grade two, I'm told, to be very competitive. They know it's a competitive system education, so they get very competitive about knowledge and information. Mm And then they get rewarded. So most white collar jobs are considered, have been considered at least historically better. And they tend to be information based. And then more experiential jobs, right? Like blue collar jobs are considered lower. Mm -hmm. And uh, so our society has been, and then with the internet, the society has all been bent towards more and more knowledge. But the difference between knowledge and experiences actually is about the body. Because with experience, your body's involved. And with knowledge, it can just be in the head. Historically, almost every profession would have had a, a master and apprentice kind of model. So you would, if you wanted to learn to do something, whether it was blacksmithing or whether it was medicine, you would find someone who was good at what they did and you would study under them and learn from them and that would be a combination of knowledge and experience Mm -hmm. and in some instances this is still an important tradition today and I think what Sensei is referring to is that in the standard education system that experiential training can be lost is often lost and we happen to come from a Buddhist tradition that very highly values the master-apprentice relationship, which we also call the student-teacher relationship. And in this case, the teacher's job in large part is to make sure that the student gets the experiences they need to fill out their wisdom. So following up on that uh, point or your idea that when it comes to teaching, for instance, meditation or something that is very much experientially based, one of the obstacles we run into with students is they, th- they think getting the knowledge or the information is the same thing as having the experience. And so what we're encouraging people to do is, is to take that wonderful knowledge because knowledge helps you know what you're doing. 
take that wonderful knowledge, but recognize that the experiential base is what integrates it, what brings it into play. And I think that's where the educational system leaves us a little blank, is that we think the information's enough. And we can understand why. TV, movies, the internet, it's all information-based. And getting out and doing physical practice involved, apprenticeship model is much, much more experiential-based. Then knowledge becomes very helpful. Yes. The knowledge is helpful so that if we're going to travel to Istanbul, it's good to be armed with knowledge ahead of time so that when we arrive, we we're somewhat prepared. We know where we're going. We know what language the people may speak. We know how to dress. And until we get there, we really have no idea. I mean, in the real sense of what it's going to be like. So you could say in that sense, knowledge is a map. It's knowledge like a, is a map. It's a guide system. So it, for instance, we just... It helps with the experience. Yeah. Once you get there, oh, I'm glad I knew not to wear short shorts in right, Istanbul. Right. You have some idea where you're going. So the map is to get you to Mecca. And then, but you actually got to go. And, you and, actually got to go. And that's the experiential part. And, and you want to go. And you want to go. And I think part of the problem with the internet is that even though you might be processing experiential information, it's in video or it's in images. It's not in your actual body being engaged. So with the map, you take the map and you can go to the meditation cushion and see how your experience lines up with that map. And so the map is to help you avoid pitfalls and sidetracks. But if you are on a sidetrack or a pitfall, you the map helps you see that. And that's where that knowledge is so important. That's right. Brings you back on track. That's right. And this is one of the reasons why there's just no substitute for meditation. Meditation is just, it's just absolutely unique because we can read about spiritual practice. We can read about the path of spiritual unfoldment, we can read about awakening. And it's when we actually meditate that the cosmic penny drops where we realize, oh, this is what they're talking about. And then we know it to be true ourselves because we have experienced it with, again, like Sensei said earlier, we've experienced with this body. So our organism, every cell of our body knows that that experience is true, that what the teachings tell us about spiritual unfoldment, which is it's an innate kind of function of this human consciousness and this human organism. And with the meditation, not not only the meditation, but meditation's key for us to really experience that that is true. And that's exciting. Meditation can be boring at times. Meditation can certainly seem boring. And sometimes it's really exciting. Yeah. It's on that cushion going, (laughs) this also applies to course relationships and raising children and uh, human interactions that if it's information based alone that's right we don't really learn how to raise children or communicate with each other or have run marriages because if all our systems are based on information we're not prepared for the experiential interaction and so in a sense, the apprentice master model That's really true. models the parental model, it models the marriage, it models the relationship, it models friendships, it models community. Learning to back and forth with others is experiential. It's not just information. The other aspect, of course, is that experiential wisdom 
is grounded in your body, whereas knowledge often is just in the head. So we mentioned this a bit earlier, the need to bring the body into play is really important these days where so many people are spending time on information-based systems like the internet or in office jobs or in jobs that are processing information. So what happens is that there's an insecurity in our confidence in our body the more we put our security and our confidence in our mind. So in order to bring our confidence back into our bodies and our emotions, we need to unbalance the overweight of information and give more weight to physical sensation. And so in that sense, experience, experience in that sense, it's really wonderful to extend your range in terms of your diet and your experiences and so on, your romantic elaborations experientially because it makes you smarter in the same way that more information makes you smarter. So if more information brings you better intelligence than more bodily experiences, eating that kind of food or having that experience, jumping out of a plane, doing things you haven't done so much physically with a parachute, especially if you want to do it again, uh, is really helpful to integrate that body, mind, spirit thing. Yes, and this is one of the reasons why something we undertake called the challenges is so powerful because preference mind is is a natural function of the ego and of course it comes up, no, I don't feel like doing that or ew, why would anybody eat that? And building on what Sensei was saying, the interesting thing is, you know, why don't I want to do that? And what would happen? And I anticipating that something's going to happen and will it actually happen if I do it? Or what does happen when I do it? So that's taking the perceived knowledge. We think it's going to be a certain way, but building on that with actual experience, actually go and find out what happens. And there's a tremendous amount of liberation waiting to happen in those kinds of scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And there's a hidden, there's a kind of hidden element in this one as well, which is a trust issue. We've been trained from early on to trust in information. Grade one to grade two to grade three to grade four is all builds our trust and confidence in terms of our ability to learn or or our, our stature in our communities. And it's all tends to be all information based. So we put an extra amount of trust in information and in knowledge. And then we tend to then not put that trust or confidence in experience, which is going to touch the body and the feelings. So we have this kind of insecurity or lack of trust often around feeling and body and that tactile experience, which is why we tend to repeat the same experiences over and over because we don't have that confidence where we do have that confidence in intellectual knowledge. Oh yeah, I can study that or I'll find out about that. And so we really weight that more. So in a sense, what we're trying to address really, I think is the imbalance of knowledge in our current situation compared to how much more strength and confidence we'd have and trust we'd have in life if we put more attention into experiential wisdom. Yes, experiential wisdom, absolutely. I came across something in a Dharma book some time ago. It, it said that there's this concept in Buddhist teaching called generating merit. It's, it's one of the two accumulations. We can accumulate two things or grow two piles, we'll say glorious piles. One is merit and one is wisdom. And accumulating merit, it's kind of similar to building maybe goodwill capital or social capital. It's those invisible things that are still worth a lot. Sometimes I think of it as accumulating good karma in the karma bank. 
And what I found so interesting is that they said that this text I was reading said that if we do not generate merit or accumulate merit, that we are actually unable to receive our guru's blessing. And I found that really fascinating from a, so that was the knowledge. I read that in a book. We need to accumulate merits so that we can receive our guru's blessings in our minds. Interestingly, they were talking about it all happening in our minds and having that knowledge then inspired me to now I want to meditate on that and have that direct experience because it's still a little esoteric for me to to relate to and and I think I'm getting some some connection and it goes back to a statement that our teacher made many many years ago and and to me specifically a long time ago when I asked him if trust was awakening and his response was well complete trust is complete awakening like I said earlier, I think our trust is in our minds and our intellectual abilities. Right. And, and our trust is not so much in our experience, largely because it's, it's the, the ego doesn't get to own that so much. The ego, the ego rides on information much more than it rides on experience. Now, if you do a physical career... Well, why is that, do you think? Well, I think because it's valued more and it's emphasized more in school. Now, you have people right. who, who are, are physical, experiential uh-huh. people, like carpenters or plumbers, and they have great massage confidence, therapists. massage therapists, acupuncturists, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have great confidence in their ability to do that. But it's only within that range, again, because of career channeling, it's only within the range of what they already do. So the, for instance, the massage therapist might have great confidence in their experiential wisdom with massage, but it doesn't necessarily translate over to all the things the body can do, right? Like art or music or, or meditation for that matter. Whereas with the mind, if you can have confidence in the mind doing one thing, chances are you can have the confidence in the mind doing anything because it's sort of the same tool. Whereas experiential is not just one tool, although it's one word. Experiential is like thousands of different aspects of experiential wisdom. And so it's a little less in the control of the ego. So the ego trusts it less. Many different kinds of experience. And there's where the merit comes in, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Because if I... If I, well, if I learn to have experiential wisdom with cooking and experiential wisdom with music and experiential wisdom playing it, not listening to it, <laughs> experiential wisdom with my hands or experiential wisdom in terms of human relationships, being able to communicate with people, then the merit of that is that the integration of body and mind is much stronger and much clearer. And meditation puts them all together. Body, mind. And, and spirit. And spirit. I think the other aspect too, in terms of a negative and a positive, is that if you get information wrong, you can go, oh yeah, that information's wrong, I can correct. Yes, I think often your ego isn't particularly threatened by a correction of information. So if I say, well, Canada has nine provinces, and Catherine goes, no, there are 10. My ego can adopt that pretty quick because it's information and it's sort of external to my physiology. But if Catherine says, well, you know, uh, you put too much tarragon in the spaghetti sauce, and, 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 but then somehow because I did it physically, I'm more identified with it in a way than the knowledge, and therefore it's a bigger challenge to me to be corrected. So I think the other reason that we want to go to knowledge over experience is because the ego is less threatened by mistake, whereas in the, the learning of how to do something better physically challenges us more egotistically, I think. And a mentor acting as a guide or a master in relationship to, to that activity, because now I'm kind of in a 
parental dialogue with the master. Whereas in information, like if Catherine's the teacher at the university, there's that parental dialogue is probably not there or not as much anyway. A bit less. Yeah. That is part of the role of the guru in a guru student relationship and also the sangha, the community to support this. But we support one another in having experiences that are going to help us develop as, as human beings and as unfolding spiritual beings. So that's a really valuable aspect of the relationship between teachers, students, and the community. The, the community is kind of cheers people on or helps give one another confidence if, if we're not feeling so confident ourselves. I think we can all get comfortable with something that we're good at. It's natural to want to do something that we're good at. But then we can put ourselves in a bit of a small box and not venture out to explore things that we may also be good at and don't know. Well, travel, don't would, know. travel would be good. Travel's a great example. Yeah. yeah. And also having a multicultural or multiracial, multi-gendered friends. Mm-hmm. So the, the gated community, I think, has been developed for old people to feel safe in troubled times. But the problem with the gated community is it's pretty generally pretty homogenous. And that kind of really cuts down on our direct experiential wisdom. And so having friends from different classes of society, economics, education, culture, race, gender. Vocations. Vocations. Uh, really helps with that. And again, we come back to the, the root issue for both knowledge and experiential understanding has to do with the ego's fragility or the ego's sensitivity to error, correction, or not knowing. And so the ego, by definition, is never comfortable not knowing because the ego gets rewarded for knowing, whether that's information or experience. And I think it's easier for the ego to accept new information in its strengthening than it is for new experience because new experience is challenging you at more levels. Kind of repeating a theme here. Yeah. But the idea being that if you can broaden your range of experience, you're actually also broadening the range of your knowledge. You're fighting or you're wrestling with a lot, a lot, a lot of conditioning that says basically that from when you're two, that's saying get that ego solid, stable, fixed and secure. And we, like we said before, we add more information to kind of like get obese. We're kind of information obese, really. Yeah. And so then what happens is we lose our ability to be in touch with the give and take and the back and forth and the wrestle with another human being, which you get in the master-disciple-apprentice relationship. And we don't really do that. So we're out of touch. We're out of practice. We had our own bedrooms. We have our own phones. Everything is isolating. So it's that muscle's atrophied. And the only way to get that muscle back in the gear is put the device down and stand back from the books and the screens and like play music together, go on trips together, engage together physically. So the imperative or the direction for a greater integration would be if you're information heavy, to make a discipline, a practice of taking X amount of time to where it is that you don't have that contact. So if it's interpersonal, then it would be something that involved community. We are really the only person that 
we can change. We're really not able to change another person. We, we can inspire other people to change, but we can't change them. And that can feel really challenging at times. We sometimes tend to think that other people need to change. <laughs> that can happen. Yeah, how many times have you been in a situation, sorry, how many times have you been in a situation where you think your partner is the one that needs to change and you're okay where you are? So, but the great thing is that if I change, everyone else around me has to change to adjust to that, right? So if you think of us all as a big puzzle and we're all pieces in that puzzle. So if I change my shape, you know, and our shape, our shape is malleable, then everybody else is going to change their shape too. We also have a bit of a big fear here because in the end, knowledge, whether it's experiential or informational, rests on the fact that in order to learn anything, we have to embrace unknowing. And too often with information, we're not embracing unknowing to learn something more informationally. We're adding it on top of what we already know. But to learn to do something experientially in order to do something new, you have to acknowledge the unknowing that is there in order to learn that. And that is something we're not rewarded for in our society, for the unknowing. And so it's a very strange selling technique to tell you that if you want to be wiser, if you want to be more integrated in terms of experience and information, you have to embrace unknowing. Marketing this is going to be a little difficult. It's really amazing. Since you're the only one that you can change, it's amazing to take on that responsibility and change oneself even just a little and just watch everyone is kind of you know, maybe a little surprised, maybe a little startled, but kind of excited because it's fresh. And if you can change, I can change. And now we're all different. And ooh, you know, what's going to happen next? That unknowing can be really exciting. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on Apple Podcasts to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. Today's episode featured a recording from Enlighten Up. Enlighten Up is a monthly talk given on contemporary topics of awakening and streamed live on Facebook. To learn more about Planet Dharma's offerings, visit planetdharma.com podcast. See you next time, and may all our efforts benefit all beings.